But why I'm down there is that my little sister is graduating from college, which is so crazy. Um, Macy, I don't think she really listens to the podcast, but if you happen to be listening to this episode, (laughs) I am so extremely proud of you. um, And I can't wait to be down there and celebrate that with you. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Two Takes on Film, the only podcast that is immune to all sicknesses. My name is Wyatt Croy, and as always, I am joined by my co-host, Heather Davenport. Hello, everyone. We are two best friends who love talking about all things movies. So if that sounds good to you, make sure to like and follow wherever you listen to podcasts so you never miss an episode. With that being said, thanks for joining us today. We got a great episode for you. Mm. Um the second episode of a series which we are entitling what we watched blank is that kind of what we decided on yeah by Essentially, seasons by seasons or i mean really we're we're already on the second and we're only 4 months into the year so we're a little ahead of ahead <laughs> yeah. of two seasons but i feel like winter is going to be a two part situation because uh-huh. we caught like the the end of this past winter and i'm right. sure we'll have another like beginning of winter at the end of the year you know yeah we'll see like what this essentially every month or excuse me every few months uh we kind of take a break from our regular to review to movie format to just catch up on some things that we watched during that time period that we weren't able to cover uh i maybe we mentioned them in an episode Mm -hmm. or so as something we were watching at the time whether that be a tv show or another movie but we weren't able to like truly cover them yeah uh and just give you little little reviews nothing as in depth as we usually do but just kind of let you know what we've been watching um yeah it's just kind of a nice catch-up and for these past two months it's been interesting i think the first two months of the year we were able to watch a lot outside of our movies because February and January, you know, you just have a lot of time on your hand. And those are mm-hmm. also notoriously pretty slow months for movies. It's post-Oscar season, as in when all the Oscar movies come out, mm-hmm. but pre-Oscar season, as in when the Oscars actually happen, which, you know, announcement for the nominees and everything doesn't really happen until end of February. So it's kind of a a, a dead month or a dead two months. Mm-hmm. This past two months, we had full swing Oscars happening and that took up so much of our time that we weren't able to see a ton outside of that Mm -hmm. Um, but what did come out and what we were able to review was some of the best of the year so far I mean Mm -hmm. we've had uh, the Batman everything everywhere all at once and the Northman which are probably my three top films of the year so far all within the past two months yeah um so it didn't allow for a ton of time to watch other things but we were able to to watch a few things <clears throat> and we are we are just going to kind of talk to you about them today but first heather has something set up for us so i'm going to kick it over to her to kind of do that yeah thanks wyatt thanks for uh, kicking it over to me um so we are recording this on wednesday may 4th um special day for all of you star wars people out there congratulations yeah, i hope be with um, you 
Yeah. I hope, I hope you've heard that a lot today. Um, but tomorrow there will be a new Dr. Strange that is released and the newest Marvel movies coming out tomorrow. Um, so I know why it's going to go see it tomorrow. I probably won't end up seeing it until Sunday, um, just because of scheduling. But in light of that, I thought what better time than to do some Mad Libs. Did you do Mad Libs as a child, Wyatt? I, I did. Yeah. I remember, um, I'm going to use this to segue kind of back into something and then back into this, sure. but I would do them with my siblings a lot in the car while, uh, like on our way to go camping somewhere. Like my, usually my parents, maybe whoever wasn't driving, like whoever was passenger mm-hmm. seat would read them out to us. And we'd all yell things as we got older, maybe Lauren, my oldest sister would be the one to kind of conduct them. Yeah. I was never like the oldest to really be the one. I was always like yelling out words, you know? Sure. Um, but that is when we mostly did Mad Libs. And that memory of uh, that time with my siblings reminded me what I'm doing this weekend yeah. after tomorrow, obviously Dr. Strange and the Multiverse of Madness comes out. Then Friday morning, I get on a plane to go down to LA, which I will be able to see. <coughs> Excuse me. I will be able to see Heather for a little bit, uh, which will be fun. But why I'm down there is that my little sister is graduating from college, yeah. which is so crazy. Um, Macy, I don't think she really listens to the podcast, but if you happen to be listening to this episode, <laughs> I am so extremely proud of you. Um, and I can't wait to be down there and celebrate that with you. So um, exciting. Yeah. But all that to say, uh, I did a good amount of Mad Libs, mostly with my siblings. Yeah. I loved doing Mad Libs. My sister and I absolutely had the little like paper booklets that you get for a couple dollars at the store, at the gas station that just have pages and pages and pages of Mad Lib templates. Um, we were really big fans. So, um, I have been wanting to do a Mad Lib with you here on the podcast. And as I was looking up some Mad Libs, there was one that I found that was a superhero Mad Lib template. So it felt like the right time to pull it out and to make a Mad Lib with you. Are you ready for this? I'm so ready. So I'm going to ask you uh, for your words, (coughs) for your input, Uh and then we're going to make a story together. Um, I think it has potential to be really excellent. So here we go. A literary classic. (laughs) Truly. (laughs) Start by giving me an adjective. Um. Harry. Okay, great. Now give me the name of an eccentric writer who has already disowned the movie. Cornelius Flumplebuff. Cornelius. Can you repeat the last name? Flumplebuff. F-L-U-M-P-L-E-B-U-F-F. Flumplebuff. Awesome. Thank you. And now can you give me a superhero name? Um, uh, da, 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 da. <laughs> I can't like a, a fake superhero name. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, <clears throat> I really, I really wasted all of my creative energy with Cornelius. <laughs> And I was trying to think of like a name that would obviously be Cornelius Flumplebuff as a superhero, like a, 
like a pseudonym that like yeah. way too obviously rhymed with his name. Yeah. But literally what rhymes with <laughs> yeah. Hufflepuff. Yeah, it's impossible. What an impossible um, name. We will say Mr. Strong Guy. <laughs> Do you need me to spell that one? Nope, got that one. Yeah, thank you so much. Um, now give me a large number. Four. Oh. D. Four D. <laughs> okay, great. Um, can you give me uh the name of an up and coming actor that the studio locked down for cheap? Um for who? For cheap. <laughs> like Who's, they oh, 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 an, oh. like you could actually use a real actor here. <clears throat> Um, an, an up-and-coming actor who the studio locked down for cheap. Well, I know you love him. I'll go with Lucas Hedges. Oh, <laughs> okay. Um, great. And now give me the name of a science sounding place. Uh, a science sounding place? Yes. Like a, like a building or like a geographical location? Um, so in the context of the story... There are people going on a trip to this place. Okay. Um, <clears throat> I'm going to say Super Labs. Mm. Excellent. Excellent choice. Mm. Okay. Now give me the name of an actress that you recognize from that TV show. <laughs> from that TV show? um you know like that actress from that one tv show mila kunis <laughs> from that sure one tv show and give me a civilian name wyatt croy <laughs> so many so many names in this one can this you is give really me <laughs> excellent characterization can you give me a member of the marsupial <clears throat> family um yeah. Uh, why can't I think of the name? Uh, the <laughs> one with the poison nails. Um, <laughs> a koala? No. Uh, a wallaby? Nope. No, 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 no. <laughs> the duck duck thing. Things. The duck thing? Oh, my goodness. Platypus. Are platypus not marsupial? <laughs> I don't know. Are they? I'm, I'm pretty sure they are. Okay. Platypi? Uh, okay. Um, okay. <clears throat> that's going to be the same word. We are moving right along here. Um, oh, once again, filling in your superhero name of Mr. Strong Guy. Yeah. So solid. Um, now give me a major metropolis that looks suspiciously like Toronto. <laughs> um, <laughs> Toronto. Toronto. Yes. Awesome. Uh, now I'm going to need a supervillain name. Oh my goodness. This is really an ensemble piece. There's so, <laughs> I thought one of the names I already named was going to be the supervillain. No. Um, Mrs. Mm. Evil Doer. <laughs> Okay. Give me the name of an acclaimed British actor who's slumming it for a paycheck. 
Benedict Cumberbatch. Okay, and supervillain name again. No, is you should Mrs. change that to Hugh Grant. I don't know why. That's funny to me. Okay. Okay, Benedict is becoming Hugh Grant. Okay, and once again, your superhero name is Mr. Strong Guy. Great. Mm -hmm. And your supervillain is Mrs. Evildoer. Mm. So They're menacing. Just, yeah, super menacing. I'm going to need a verb. Um, <clears throat> past tense or present? Uh, present. Boogie. Hmm. Okay. Uh, your superhero, Mr. Strong Guy. Okay. Uh, give me a MacGuffin. Oh, uh, we will do, oh, that's tough. Rabbit's foot. Mm. Mission Possible 3. Excellent. A verb ending in I-N-G, please. Um, cracking. Mm. Okay. An Oscar winner who is doing this to impress his grandkids. His or her grandkids. Dame Judy Dench. Mm. Okay. Uh, Has she actually won? I don't know if she's won. Wait a minute. Did I miss something? Oh, boy. Give me the name of a love interest. Um... Rachel Dawes. Hang on. I may have missed something. Uh, I guess we'll find out as uh, I guess we'll find as, out as we read. Rachel okay. Dawes. Mm -hmm. Okay. Superhero name, Mr. Strong Guy. Oh, he really shows up a lot. Supervillain, Mrs. Evildoer. I get chills just hearing her. <laughs> okay, give me an obscure comic book villain only the hardcore nerds will recognize. Um, <laughs> uh, Killer Croc. That's not even that obscure, but we'll do Killer Croc. All right. And give me <clears throat> one more large number. 41. <laughs> oh, all right. Here we go. Based on the Harry graphic novel by Cornelius Flumplebuff, Mr. Strong Guy is the first installment of an epic 40 part film series. Our hero, played by Lucas Hedges, is an average teenager with extraordinary powers and an origin that is not at all like Spider Man's. One day while on a school trip to Super Labs, 
with his crush played by Mila Kunis, Wyatt Croy is accidentally bitten by a radioactive platypus. Realizing that with his newfound platypus powers comes great responsibility, he makes a homemade costume and becomes Mr. Strong Guy in order to protect Baranto from the diabolical Mrs. Evildoer, <laughs> played by Hugh Grant. <laughs> in a shocking twist, Miss <laughs> <laughs> Mrs. Evildoer gained her super pet or gained her powers from the same radiation that created Mr. Strong Guy, only she was horribly scarred and was forced to wear a suit of armor that shoots lasers or something. In the thrilling final act, Mrs. Evildoer still steals a top government device, which will allow her to boogie the White House. Thankfully, at the last minute, Mr. Strong Guy realized that the rabbit's foot that his father gave him before dying is the key to stopping the device from cracking and saving the city. Oh, mm. did we mention his father died? He totally did. And he's played by Dame Judy Dench. In the end, our hero reveals his true identity to Rachel Dawes, who never realized that Mr. Strong Guy was actually her dorky classmate, despite the fact that he looks exactly like him, save for a pair of glasses. In a post-credit sting stinger, Mrs. Evildoer is revealed to be alive and working for Killer Croc, setting up at least 41 sequels the end does it sound like something you'd want to watch no um <laughs> actually yeah just for just to see uh mrs evil doer doer played by hugh, hugh grant, grant. <laughs> i agree that was the best part uh well thanks for playing along uh for all of you out there go see dr strange uh coming out tomorrow coming out this weekend um we'll be talking about it next week yeah question mark uh and giving you our thoughts on that so go watch this weekend so that you can uh listen along with us next week and so that you can let us know what you think about it as well all right well moving into what we watched spring 2022 uh spring is not quite yet over we still have a little bit of time just being here at the start of may when does summer officially start june june 21st yeah Oh my, it's so late. I guess I being the beginning of the seasons always feel like wrong, like a month too late. Yeah. 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 So interesting. Um, well, I'm going to kick us off with, uh, one of the things that I have watched recently, um, which is the third season of American crime story, uh, which is available to watch on Hulu. American crime story is an anthology series. Um, so each season is going to cover a different story. I have really enjoyed this show and feel like they have picked some really interesting stories and have had some really phenomenal actors um, who have kind of led those. So uh, the first season was The People versus O.J. Simpson, which was excellent. And then the second season was The Assassination of Johnny Versace, uh, also really excellent. And this one is the story of Monica Lewinsky and Bill Clinton. Uh, it has Beanie, Beanie Feldstein at the helm as Monica and Clive Owen as Bill Clinton. Uh, and then Sarah Paulson kind of rounds out the, um, the main cast as Linda Tripp. Mm -hmm. And uh, the show is interesting because this whole situation happened when I was really little. So I didn't really, I don't really know or remember a ton about it. Um, other than obviously this was an incredibly publicized uh, 
situation and trial and all the things. So, um, I have obviously known about it, you know, my whole life or since I was little, but, uh, it felt like a, I don't, I don't know if it's okay to say it feels like a fun representation, but it's a fun way to kind of lively representation. A lively. Yeah, sure. Um, of something that was such a huge, uh, national situation. So I do feel like the characters were spot on, especially Clive Owen as Bill Clinton. Um, as I'm sure all of, you know, Bill Clinton has such a distinct way of speaking and, Mm -hmm. um, just his, uh, I don't know, just everything about him. It just feels so. Yeah. Bill Clinton, uh, and he just did an incredible job. And then, um, I don't remember the woman who plays Hillary Clinton, but, um, she as well. Yeah. They were all just phenomenal. Um, and then I really, really enjoyed Beanie Feldstein in this. Um, I feel like what I have mostly seen her in has been things like Ladybird or Booksmart, which are excellent, have been excellent roles for her. Um, but it was really, nice to see her doing something that felt a little more age appropriate and more mature, um, certainly more mature in the content, the character she Mm -hmm. plays is a little bit older. Um, so it was nice to see her kind of step out of that, like high school character role. Yeah. Yeah. Into something different. Um, and then Sarah Paulson, I mean, she's just incredible always, Mm -hmm. but, um, she is someone who I feel like just fully takes on her characters. And I feel like is so transformative in her acting. And, um, I feel like she did that really well with this character, Linda Tripp. I don't know a ton about Linda Tripp, but she, um, was essentially the one who like publicized this whole scandal. Um, and so the way that she was able to kind of capture her, um, uh, just all of who she was like her manipulation and her, uh, her sneakiness and her own, like hurt and anger at the greater like government and personal situation that ultimately drove all of this to be such a public and, um, and major thing was just, yeah, I feel like she perfectly captured it. So, um, Again, that's available on Hulu. I have loved all three of the seasons. Uh, the People versus OJ Simpson is probably my favorite out of the three, um, but all of them were wonderful, and I would encourage you to watch. Definitely, I think The People versus OJ Simpson is one of my favorite single series, single seasons of television um, ever made. It's like a flawless season, um, mm-hmm. start to finish, and. And I, I did uh, start the assassination of Gianni Versace, but wasn't able to get into it as much. Mm-hmm. I think that that's an interesting one because that's one that like, I don't think a lot of people even knew about, mm-hmm. at least in my mind, um, you all know the name Versace. I yeah. had no idea that he was assassinated. No. Zero clue. No, no idea. I assumed he was just like lived a normal life and was either an old man still alive or died, you know, mm-hmm. around the, the late like nineties or something. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's really interesting, but where the show is at its best is highlighting these stories that we all know about yeah. that we think we know, but we don't actually know. Mm-hmm. And for me, like, I think Monica Lewinsky, although I haven't been able to watch this season 
is one that I would love to watch because Mm -hmm. I think I know everything about it. It happened during my lifetime, but I don't actually really know anything about it. I just know like what the general consensus on history was there. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, And same with like the OJ Simpson trial. Yeah. I knew kind of the gist of it. I knew that general consensus was he probably definitely did it. Mm -hmm. Um, But watching it was so like, whoa, I had zero idea the like cultural impact of the time. Yeah. Um, I had zero idea just like the details of the case, how big OJ was, you know, truly like, it's really fascinating to see. And then when you pair that with not like a documentary, but Mm -hmm. like top notch um, filmmaking and acting and storytelling, it's really, really good. So Mm -hmm. uh, really any, I remember Ryan Murphy, who, who started the show, who was like the creator of Glee, the creator of uh, Ratchet on Netflix, another Sarah Paulson vehicle. Mm-hmm. He was heavily involved in American Horror Story. Uh, when I heard that, uh, you know, um, because it, it was initially just marketed, the show was just initially marketed as The People versus O.J. Simpson. Yeah, yeah that was it. And then yeah. it got picked up for a second season and it became American, American Crime, Crime story. blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was disappointing when I heard that a second season was coming hmm. and then I heard it was, you know, um, anthology. Yeah. And I think that that's a lot better way to do it. And I think it's really fascinating and I hope that they keep making these, although the viewership yeah, has definitely so died down since that yeah. first season. Um, I hope that they're able to still make them that enough people watch because they're really fascinating. And if the mm-hmm. Monica Lewinsky case is something that you've always kind of thought, man, I'd be interested to know more about that. Mm-hmm. Um, I would definitely encourage going to watch this um again not having seen that season but having seen the first season yeah I know that it's a pretty I read a lot about the case following it and it's a fairly honest take on the case obviously mm-hmm. any dramatization of any event sure. is going to have its biases and it's sure. its flaws and its imperfections of like presenting the truth mm-hmm. uh, but I do think they do a good job at pretty objectively um showing history while making yeah. it very engaging and very watchable yeah next up i'm gonna be talking about father stew uh father stew's movie that came out about a month ago it stars mark Wahlberg as uh stuart long uh he's kind of this probably early 30s screw up of a guy still lives with his mom uh who is a failed amateur boxer uh when he you know decides he kind of needs a new direction in life he decides to uh drop everything and drive out to los angeles and try to become a movie star mm-hmm. while out there and trying to campaign um to you know get roles in different movies and commercials and all that sort of stuff he meets this beautiful woman at the supermarket where he works falls in love with her um and in the process of doing so becomes involved with her church uh this woman is catholic and in an attempt to try to impress her and get to know her better, he becomes pretty heavily involved with the church, uh, which she attends as she is very uh, religious and very involved with the church herself. Uh, and this is totally counterintuitive to everything that he knows growing up. His parents were not religious at all. Um, definitely the life he lived leading up to that wasn't something that the Catholic church necessarily condones um just in the ways that he carries himself it's it's very kind of a cultural shock to be you know in a church for him um but he ends up really finding a passion and serving um and decides to become a priest Mm -hmm. and 
pretty soon after deciding to become a priest, he is uh, diagnosed with a terminal uh, illness. I'm, I'm forgetting the name of the illness. Yeah, I don't know I if they ever remember. do a specific name, but it's, it's basically a, a muscular uh, degenerative uh, a condition or disease where all of his body parts, specifically his muscles, for similar to that of like Lou Gehrig's, it mm-hmm. seems like, mm-hmm. um, kind of break down and, and cease to work, starting with like fingertips, mobility, um, all the way to his whole body eventually. And, mm-hmm. um, and it's a, you know, it's not a curable disease or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's kind of the general plot of the movie, which is a lot, you know, this movie has a lot of different things going for it. Um, and that can be a strength and a weakness at times. It can be a strength because it has a little bit of everything. It has some boxing scenes, you know, some sports movies. It has some religious aspects. It has some, uh, trying to make it in Hollywood aspects. It has some romance. It has uh, trying to be a priest. It has a uh, medical drama sense to it. Not a medical drama like, you know, Grey's Anatomy or anything mm-hmm. like that, but um, <clears throat> kind of a health drama with him dealing with this disease, uh, which, you know, movies can definitely benefit when they're trying to market to kind of a family friendly or like all inclusive. This movie is for everyone kind of deal that's that's a beneficial aspect mm-hmm. however me personally i think that the movie just has no idea what it is what kind of story it's trying to tell um and maybe that's representative of you know Stuart long's life and and uh kind of the various different things i mean you know he still lived to a, a decent age i believe he was in his 40s when he passed and i think anyone in their 40s can tell you they've lived four or five different lives throughout their lifetime where they've Mm -hmm. been four or five different, totally different people. Um, So when you're trying to like, you know, encompass someone's entire life, like very complex and ever moving, ever engaged person, you're going to run into just uh, showing a bunch of different aspects of their life. But I think that the movie could have corralled things tonally a lot better than it did and had a much more focused vision of kind of who this guy was um because that's literally what the movie is about is who was this man why did he do the things he did why was he so inspirational to so many people um and when it fails to show the audience you know who he was then it fails to have a backbone or a message to the story um the movie starts considering you know not a lot of people saw this movie it wasn't marketed super well again probably because they had no idea how to market it do we market this as a religious movie a faith-based movie which there certainly are faith-based elements but it's not your typical christian or or Mm -hmm. movie um do they market it as a boxing movie do they market as a triumph of the human spirit all that and they kind of went for everything at once and it just didn't attract a lot of audiences. This movie also had a pretty low budget, uh, low key approach considering the star power that it had. Like I said, obviously it stars Mark Wahlberg in the titular role, um, also stars in Mel Gibson, Jackie Weaver, and is directed by Rosalind Ross, who is the current girlfriend of Mel Gibson. Um, one thing I do want to note, the main marketing push for this film that I saw was... Uh, kind of like a Christian movie, you know, Mm -hmm. faith-based movie, Mm -hmm. but not your typical one, you know, Mm. not your one that sugarcoats the realities of life, that sugarcoats 
the way that people are and the way that people act and the way that people talk, you know, there's some swearing, there's some brutality in the boxing, you know, it's kind of a rough by the edge. We're going to be raw. We're going to be real Christian movie. And if you don't, if you don't, you know, if you're not religious, um, you probably don't know what I'm talking about when I say Christian movie, mm-hmm. I grew up, you know, in the church, my, my parents love quote unquote faith-based movies. Every mm-hmm. time one comes out, they ask me to go see it with them. They ask me, do you think this one's going to be good? Blah, blah, blah. They're usually not. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and part of that is that they, they rarely, they rarely, uh, tackle the realities of what it looks like to, to live on this planet. Um, mm-hmm. and this kind of marketed itself as, uh, <clears throat> a divergent from that, a, a movie that really looks at the tough parts of what it means to be human. And while it certainly has a character who goes through tough situations, I don't think that it does. I think that it's still very kind of Hollywoodizes, uh, his story, mm-hmm. <clears throat> which takes you out of the reality of the harshness of a life that he lived. Yeah. Um, and I know that Mel Gibson for as, uh, charismatic and confusing and, um, controversial as a character as he is, you know, even in the trailer, they have like clips of him as Mel Gibson saying, Oh, this isn't your normal faith-based movie. There's, you know, basically they're swearing. That's essentially Mm -hmm. the crux of what they're doing. Um, and I know that, well, okay. I guess this is just a note. If you are like hearing this and you're like, oh, we should go watch this. Maybe I should take the kids. Just know that it's not like a swear word or two put in there to like, you know, adhere to reality. Yeah. There's, there's probably like 60 or 70 F-bombs. There's a lot. (laughs) It's, it's, it's truly a lot. Yeah. And again, I don't, I don't think that that's far from reality. I'm not saying that that's not real, but it is kind of, I, I do think that you have an obligation when you're saying, no, this is a family movie mm-hmm. too, but, but there's some swearing in there to be real. So, you know, maybe a parent with a kid who's not a little kid anymore, but not quite like a teenager yet is like, okay, well, a swear word or two, because it feels real might be okay. They might be uncomfortable with like, what is actually in this movie? Mm-hmm. Um, and it just feels kind of uh, just a weird way to market the film. Um Overall, you know, hokey but decent performances. Mel Gibson plays the same thing we've seen him for the past like 10 years of his career. Uh, Jackie Weaver plays kind of a hick hillbilly mom, but overall supportive of her son. <clears throat> Mark Wahlberg, I'm not a fan. I don't think he's a very good actor. I don't think that he has a ton of range as an actor. He plays mm-hmm. basically plays Mark Wahlberg in every role. Um, <laughs> and this is a movie that has range as far yeah. as characterization goes. He goes mm-hmm. from an amateur boxer to a, a wheelchair bound um, priest, you know, mm-hmm. like, and he just feels the same throughout. Another thing that, that kind of adds to the, it, it feels too Hollywoodized is throughout the film, he has this kind of Texas Southern accent, maybe the Oklahoma accent. He kind of talks with a drawl. He talks in a sweet mama boy, you know, mama's boy, like kind of has these, these quips and stuff. And then the credits roll and you hear speeches from the actual Stuart Long. And, and this, this continues in the movie, this continues into his priesthood, um, into him being a father, even when he is officially a father and, and um, you know, preaching to congregations he still kind of talks in that way. And then you hear clips of the real Stuart Long talking and 
He sounds nothing like that. <laughs> he doesn't have an accent. He speaks pretty, uh, <clears throat> pretty focused, pretty uh, monotone, much more like you would hear a priest talk. He mm-hmm. seems to think in a, or talk, like he's not saying everything off the cuff, like on a whim, you know, Yeah. which just feels like he also looks nothing like Mark Wahlberg. And I get mm-hmm. it. Sometimes they don't look exactly the same, but truly looks nothing like him. I don't know. It's just like, this feels like a, an inspirational life that they thought, you know, how can we make it this into a Hollywood movie mm-hmm. and um, also make it really bad. And so that's <laughs> what they did. Um, uh-huh. I don't know. I was going to say I would rec- recommend this movie to you if you blink. And I can't really think of what that would be. I guess mm-hmm. if you, if you hear, heard, heard my description of it and that, that truly sounds um, like it, just like an interesting story to you, uh, then maybe check it out. I think that there are inspirational moments and and factories to be kind of taken away from it, but overall, it it sticks the landing on zero friends. Yeah, yeah. I would say if the story sounds interesting to you, maybe just do your own research on who Stuart Long was and his life and his story. And I don't know that that watching this would be. Um, the most necessary way to learn about him. I didn't know about him. So it was, it was, I guess, interesting to hear about his story, but, um, I, this is, I hear people say this a lot where they go, you know, instead of watching a movie, I go read the full synopsis on, uh-huh. um, on IMDb, not uh-huh. like the summary, but the yeah. full synopsis Yeah. or rather than watching this documentary on a true crime, I just go read the Wikipedia page. Mm-hmm. And usually I'm like, no, give the like, no, I think this is one yeah, where that's I think totally it would be good. sufficient. Yeah, go look up his life because it is fascinating. It yeah. is fascinating and it's inspiring. And I think that honestly, reading kind of cold, hard, uh, you know, non-emotional facts of just like this is what he did mm-hmm. would be more emotionally inspiring yeah. than the like cheesy manipulation of this movie. Yeah. 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 I agree. <laughs> Father Stew is probably in a theater near you, maybe for a couple maybe. showings. Yeah. Uh, I don't imagine it will be there too much longer. So if you do truly want to go check it out, um, you should probably go do that sooner rather than later. <laughs> um, the next thing that I have watched, uh, that I'm actually still currently watching, I think there's still another episode or two to go in the season is the girl from Plainville, which is also available on Hulu. And this follows the true story of Michelle Carter, who that may, uh, that name may sound familiar from you, familiar for you from the news, um, from just a few years ago, like a handful of years ago, um, her boyfriend Conrad committed suicide, but through the investigation of his death and through reading text messages in particular between him and Michelle, um, it was discovered that Michelle, um, was essentially like walking him through it and encouraging him through, uh, his, his death and his suicide. So, um, this is her story and the story of the two of them. Um, but also the story of her trial, um, as she was essentially, uh, um, accused of being an accomplice in his death. Um, Michelle Carter is played by Elle Fanning, who does just a phenomenal job of, um, capturing Michelle's 
like cold manipulation, but also her quest for belonging with her friends and um, the fact that she was a bit of a social outcast, but she uh, was also dealing with her own mental health struggles and eating disorders and um, anxiety and going on medication and uh, essentially a combination of that with just her, her deep quest for belonging. Um, and yeah, I think Elle Fanning just, just really beautifully captured her also through watching the news, through seeing pictures of Michelle Carter and, um, her presence at her trial, the way that Elle Fanning even like physically, looks so similar to the real life Michelle Carter. It was, it was brilliant casting. So, um, they did a great job there. And then the whole, um, like setup of the story or, um, the way in which, uh, they kind of show like a visual representation of these text message conversations between Michelle Carter and Conrad is really interesting. Um, so he, they show him passing away, like in the first episode. Um, so I had the thought of like, okay, well, how are they going to incorporate him into the rest of the season? Um, but they actually bring him back to like personify his text messages with Michelle, which I thought was really uh, just a creative move as opposed to doing like the, you know, written text message bubbles that right. I feel like we'll see sometimes of, of a text conversation. There is some of that, but, um, I really appreciated the fact that they committed to having him and, and keeping him, uh, throughout. So it is still, uh, like I said, still happening, still coming out episode by episode. I think there is still an episode or two left. Um, so if that story sounds interesting to you, it is, uh, it has been, it was really interesting when it actually happened, um, to me in the news, but then, uh, kind of watching this play out in a dramatized way has been, uh, really excellent as well. So that is the girl from Plainville available once again on Hulu. All right. Next up, I'm going to be talking about fresh also available on Hulu, actually a Hulu original film. This is the latest film from director Mimi cave. Uh, stars Daisy Edgar Jones and Sebastian Stan. Um, it is summarized as the horrors of modern dating seen through one young woman's defiant battle to survive her new boyfriend's unusual appetites. Mm. Uh, so essentially, Daisy Edgar Jones plays this uh, this early twenties, early to mid twenties um, young woman, I believe, in New York. I don't know if they actually specify living in the city. Yeah, I think it's New York. Um, you know, working a nine to five on the dating app game, you know, trying to meet someone, just trying mm -hmm. to kind of find her person, find yeah. her way in life and not really having a lot of luck, uh, you know, having a hard time finding guys, the guys that she do, does find don't turn out to be the best. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um <clears throat> and one day, randomly at the grocery store, she meets uh, this lovely man named Steve, played by Sebastian Son, who is significantly older than the actor, Daisy Edgar Jones. In the story, I presume him to be roughly seven-ish, 10 years older than her, maybe. If she's maybe. 25, maybe he's 31, 32. Yeah. Um, 
definitely kind of an older guy, but I mm-hmm. think that her character appreciates that mm-hmm. she sees him as maybe someone more mature than guys, her age and, and someone who is kind of set and knows what he's doing, uh, has his own personality, has his own place in this and that. Um, and so they quickly fall in love or at least become quite attached to one another. And, mm-hmm. and pretty soon into their relationship, uh, he invites her away for the weekend, a little getaway, uh, to a cottage somewhere, you know, where the two of them can just have a romantic uh, weekend together. And she, though, you know, being a little spontaneous for her, she agrees because she's just uh, enamored by this guy. Uh, and then once she is there, things take a turn from the worst as secrets about uh, Steve and his life and his actual intentions for their relationship uh, come out and they're not what she expected. Mm-hmm. Um, this is definitely one of the better efforts from the year so far. It was a bummer that we didn't get to review this. We kind of lined this up in a, a bad week where we just felt like we didn't have enough on the table to like really run a whole episode. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is unfortunate. This is, this is one of those films that it's unfortunate because it was like almost there. If, if any other week, if there's even other weeks that we kind of talked about in hindsight, we probably could have paired it better with other efforts. Yeah. Uh, I really think this is one that you should check out. If you're a horror fan, um, you know, definitely check this out. It's, it's mm-hmm. one of the best horror films of the year so far, if not the best straight up horror film of the year so far. Um, and a pretty unique story, a unique film um in a lot of the ways that it presents the story i don't think that it sticks the landing entirely i don't think that it's perfect um but compared to most of what's out there you Mm -hmm. can do a lot worse than this film Mm -hmm. um so if you have access to hulu and it's a short film it's an hour and a half uh you know if you have the time um i would definitely check it out both performances both lead performances there's two supporting characters and i i didn't look up the actresses and actor's name um who kind of are allies of uh daisy edgar jones character Mm -hmm. as she is kind of trapped um with steve um and they do an okay job i found one of their characters to be slightly hokey and annoying um kind of turn the plot into more inconceivable uh in some ways towards the end of the film but overall strong performances but daisy edgar jones and, and especially sebastian stan as steve um are absolutely terrific they do a really good job and they're kind of back and forth um cat and mouse as as daisy edgar jones uh, uh, i'm sorry i'm forgetting noah is her her character's name uh as she kind of plays into this stockholm syndrome um Mm -hmm. vibe to get him to trust her more and as an audience you question whether she is truly kind of being taken over from the influence of Steve or is able to maintain the sanity enough to know her intentions for kind of flirting with him or getting to know him more once already in his captivity. I think that that's really, uh, really enthralling and it's, it's exciting to watch. Um, the first third of the movie plays pretty predictably, um, although necessary, I guess, as they get to know each other, you know where it's going. If you've seen the trailer, any marketing mm-hmm. for it, you know where it's going. Mm-hmm. So it is necessary. It's just story set up, although it is predictable. Um, I was excited enough about the rest of the movie that it didn't bore me. The middle third of the movie, I really, really enjoyed. When she's first introduced to 
kind of the reality of her situation mm-hmm. um, and then grows to understand it, then grows to accept it, maybe um, embrace it, maybe not. I really enjoy that. Like I said, I enjoyed the cat and mouse game. I enjoyed their conversations. Both actors are on top form. There is a little bit of like uh, a psychedelic element to the story as I think you understand the insane mindset of some characters and another character kind of delves into that insane mindset you Mm -hmm. you start to go through the motions with them and I really like that I wish that would have lasted longer I wish that the movie would have kept excuse me I wish that the movie would have furthered into the rabbit hole of kind of weirdness because there are Mm -hmm. there are scenes and there are things that go on that are genuinely weird and disturbing and and like uh dance sequences that are Mm -hmm. like confusing and erotic and and uh disturbing and and entrancing at the same time and it it really brings you in and then unfortunately the last story of the movie turns into a pretty predictable yeah kind of end to a horror movie um of this nature again i don't want to spoil a ton about it but i wish that we would have gone for something like i would have loved that this turned into just a, a weird trip of a movie where we didn't leave with a ton of answers, mm-hmm. uh, but it just kind of fully went down that insanity route of what would probably happen to someone in mm-hmm. her situation. Yeah. Um, I think that that I, that's what I was kind of grabbed by. And so when that kind of went whoop, to the wayside in order to serve a more predictable and a more um, clean end of the story, mm-hmm. it, it was a little disappointing to me. Mm-hmm. However, nonetheless, I really, I do, I did enjoy it. I'm excited to see more from Mimi Cave, a strong vision, a strong visual um, mm-hmm. cohesiveness throughout the story. Mm-hmm. Some truly like disturbing elements, some truly engaging elements. Um, and obviously we see, we've seen a ton from Daisy Edgar Jones recently. She has a lot more coming up soon uh, and I'm super excited for her. Yeah. Yeah, I was just going to mention, um, I am currently reading Where the Crawdads Sing, so I am looking forward to that coming out this summer. She's starring in that. Um, and then for uh, Sebastian Stan, he is currently in a show also on Hulu called Pam and Tommy about Pamela Anderson and Tommy Lee Jones. And I have watched the, I think that I've only gotten through one episode of that show. Um which he is also excellent in. So that show hasn't completely grabbed my attention yet, but um, yeah, it feels like both of them are, are just mm-hmm. thriving Which we, right now. we can touch a little bit on, on that show because it is something I haven't been able to watch it yet. You said you've just gotten into it, although it's mm-hmm. something that has been watched by a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Do you know who, who's directing that show? No, I don't. Do you have a guess based on the, the feel? Oh gosh um think kind no. of uh <clears throat> it's very uh modernized uh it's very fun energetic storytelling uh he's kind of settled this director is settled into this theme of uh kind of telling stories of women who might have been misrepresented by media it's craig glepsey uh the director oh. of itania Oh, right. Yeah. Which Sebastian Stan was also in. Sebastian Stan was also yeah. in. And then he directed Cruella. 
last year. Oh, um, sure. Which, while not being the same, well, really, again, misunderstood women mm-hmm. is kind of the theme of his, yeah. like, with with Tanya Harding, um, Cruella Deville, and mm-hmm. now Pamela Anderson, mm-hmm. kind of obviously two of them being real, one of them being fictional. Um, women that maybe got a bad rap when they are, while not being perfect. Um, maybe shouldn't yeah, have just misunderstood. Yeah, maybe mm-hmm. shouldn't have taken as much of blame or, or whatnot as as they did. Um, and you can kind of feel that that similar, even in just like the trailers for Pam mm-hmm. and Tommy and stuff. Mm-hmm. You can feel that similar uh, energy to all his projects. Yeah. So yeah, well, she uh, Pamela Anderson is not really <clears throat> in the first episode very much. So, uh, um, but Sebastian Stan is. He is like a pretty seems to be a very uh, uh, central character so far so which makes sense his name is in the title right. <laughs> yeah awesome well moving on to uh the next thing that i'll kind of um talk about and focus on as far as what i have been watching it is a stand-up comedy special called gerard carmichael Rathaniel, um, which is available on HBO. And this is a stand-up comedy special performed by Gerard Carmichael, and it is directed by Bo Burnham. And I have, I have watched a handful of stand-up specials. I feel like, um, especially on Netflix and HBO, there's a lot of content out there, um, of recorded specials that are done really well, but this is probably, one of the most beautiful and unique stand-up specials I have ever watched and visually very much draws uh, inspiration from Bo's own special Inside, um, which is available on Netflix. So uh, if you haven't seen that, go watch that. It's incredible. Makes me weep every time. Um, But this very, very like a visual sister to inside, um, which is beautiful. And I loved that. Um, but this, I honestly feel weird calling it stand up because it actually is just this like incredibly intimate conversation, both in the content that's being shared as well as just visually how it's communicated. Um, it very much feels like you are in the living room of a childhood friend who you like haven't seen in a long time. And you're just getting together and catching up and hearing about their life. And, they're being honest with you about how hard things have been and like where Mm. they're at in life right now. And, um, it is filmed in front of a small audience and I think they're in New York. Um, and it was probably one of the most interactive crowds that I've ever seen from a stand-up comedy special, probably because it was smaller and more intimate. Um, but almost to the point where it like, felt a little uncomfortable, I think, because I don't think of stand-up as like, um, participatory in that right. you're like a call and response situation, which I don't think he set it up to be that way, but he just had people, um, in the audience who were vocal and in his mm. like quiet moments of contemplation, they would like ask him a question and he would sit with it and respond to it. And it was just this, like, it was a conversation between him and the audience Mm. that made it feel less like a performance and more like, um, maybe he came there with intentions, but then after starting to share, 
some of his content just like, I don't know, kind of gave way to what was just naturally happening between him and the audience. So literally a stand-up special unlike anything I have ever seen before. He mm. actually sits down the whole time. <laughs> so also kind of funny. Uh, sit, down calling, special. sit down special. Um, but it, it was beautiful and really, uh, I think challenged just the way that I kind of think of, of up. there were, mm. it's certainly comedic in parts. And, um, he has a really, uh, beautiful way of like finding the comedy and his difficult stories that he's sharing, but it's not, it's yeah. It's just not like any of the other, um, standup specials that I've ever seen. So I would encourage you to go check it out. Um, it, it's beautiful and I loved it. So if that is something that sounds interesting to you, um, go, go watch it. Definitely. Yeah. I did have a couple other honorable mentions. Um, yeah. when Wyatt and I were talking about things that we have watched over the past couple of months, my list <laughs> was much longer than his. I typically watch something in the mornings while I'm getting ready. So I feel like I actually go through things pretty quickly. I don't watch movies. I only watch shows in the morning movies, uh, require a bit more attention from me. You do. Yeah. You go through things much quicker than I, I think yes. part of that is just well, at least the past month or so, genuinely not really having a lot of time on my mm-hmm. hands. Mm-hmm. Um, but then also, I it's it's part of me is I don't like to watch things if I don't feel like I can give it a hundred percent attention, and that is like that is true. That's also like a pretentious side of me speaking mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because a major part of it is I can't like there's just something inside me that just won't allow me to, if I feel like I'm missing a bit, yeah, like, you know, by kind of like having it on as I do other stuff, Mm -hmm. it just like bothers me. Yeah. What I'll end up doing is just going back and rewatching it anyway. So I might as well just, so then I just don't watch as much stuff. Totally. Yeah. It certainly depends on the show and there are some shows that I know will require more from me. So I won't do that. Um, but a couple of the shows that don't require a lot from me, um, one is the second season of Bridgerton. Uh, Mm. so for all you Bridgerton fans out there, um, that has been out for a little while now. Um, I personally didn't like it quite as much as I did the first season. I think the first season was um, different and new and kind of fun. And this uh, was also like still fun and still very much um, continuing the story from the first season. Uh, but what it was just different. The focus of it was different. Um, the tempo and kind of rhythm of the relationship that's being built is different. Um, so I enjoyed it. It was a great time. Uh but I think I preferred the first season still. Um, and then another, uh, show we, on the last time that we did this little rundown, we talked about love is blind and love is blind is hosted by Nick and Vanessa Lachey. And after love is blind, they announced that they were hosting another reality show called the ultimatum. And that is also a fun time. I don't like it quite as much as love is blind. The premise of the show is actually really horrible. <laughs> Couples that come together, um, one partner in the couple has, 
has issued an ultimatum. Um, they come together with other couples who have also been issued ultimatums and they date each other <laughs> and essentially pick another partner. Um, and they live with them for three weeks. And then at the end of that three weeks, they get back together with their original partner for another three weeks. And at the end of those three weeks, they decide, do they want to get engaged? Do they want to end up with the other person that they have dated or do they want to leave single? It is a terrible idea. So unhealthy. Why any like normal people would sign up to be a part of this. I don't know. Also, most of these couples. They're not looking for normal people. I know. I know they're not. Also, almost all of these couples are in their early 20s. You don't need to be issuing that kind of ultimatum when you're 24. Like give yourself some time and think about it when you're in your thirties, maybe. Um, anyways, it was a good time. I enjoyed watching that. Uh, and then last but not least, I am not done with it yet, which is why I didn't fully want to talk about it. Uh, but part two of the last season of Ozark has been released on Netflix. Um, so I've been watching through that as well. So I still have a few episodes left. Um, and I am quite curious to see, um, how they end up wrapping everything up, but, um, what a journey we've been on with the birds over the past, mm-hmm. um, four seasons and we'll see what happens in these next couple episodes. It is, it is dark as ever. So looking forward to it. Anything else you want to add that you, um, yeah. Anything else? I don't think so. Okay, great. Well, thanks everyone for joining us today. Um, We hope that you are excited to go see Dr. Strange this weekend and let us know what you have been watching, um, whether that is movies that we have talked about in the past couple weeks, maybe movies that we mentioned today, or just shows that you have been watching. Additionally, if there are other movies, maybe from years past or just classics that you've really been enjoying or revisiting or watching for the first time, let us know. I still have a ton of catching up to do in my own movie journey. So always looking for solid recommendation. So thanks for your time today, everyone. We will talk to you soon. Bye. Bye. It's kind of a good idea. Like give yourself a pet name so that when people have to refer to you by name, it feels really intimate and personal. Mm. <laughs>